You're listening to the world's smartest podcast network. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Sacramento. Some say the news is fake. Others say it's real. These two don't have the time to check. Instead, Turner Sparks and Michael Ira Kaplan turn to comics stationed around the globe to be their eyewitness reporters so that you can know what's really going on. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, world's smartest podcast network roundtable episode we're doing today. My name's Turner Sparks. And I am Michael Ira Kaplan. How you doing? You can find me at Turner Sparks on Instagram, putting up new stand-up comedy clips all the time. You can find Kaplan at Cap in America on all social media platforms. Kaplan on the show today. It's the World's Smartest Podcast Network. We got Dr. Andrea Jones-Roy, Professor Andrew Heaton coming back on. We've convened the brains. About, what's that? We're convening the brains this week. Getting all the brains together to yeah. talk about colleges and the whole de- – all the people taking their money out of the colleges because the, co- the college <laughs> yeah. students are having the, the Palestine we're, parties. We're, we're talking and, about uh, – yeah, yeah, like we, you know, we when I went into college, there was a little bit of anti-Israel stuff, but now it's gotten a little, it's gotten a little crazy. There's a lot of people. Are, we've had enough. There's a lot of protesting going on, and people are they're taking their money out, and we want. I want to talk to you guys about it. Find out what your thoughts. Well, are, so. and I listen. Here's the deal: is that literally everybody's talking about yeah. this topic in general. So we tried to find an angle on it, mm. and well, I don't want to just be like, "Did you hear what happened yesterday? Did you hear what happened two weeks ago?" Everyone <laughs> right, heard. Exactly. Everyone knows the news. Not that the news is not important, but you can get it anywhere. You can turn on the exactly. TV. It's absolutely everywhere. So, but the interesting thing as it pertains. Uh, specifically to America and these institutions is the is the is the struggle, the battle going on between the wealthy donors and the students. And um, is that did I frame that incorrectly? Is that not right? Yeah, no, it just well, there's it's sort of like this. Colleges have been crazy for a long time, but like now they've reached a point where the wealthy donors are taking notice and being like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> Maybe it's a little too crazy. Maybe we don't want to support this anymore. So we're going to we're going to get into that. That's that Kaplan uh, Patreon.com slash lost in America. That's how join our Patreon channel. People are doing it. Uh, It's the hip thing to do right now. And uh, for five bucks a month, you get uh, this show for free. Like everyone gets. Plus you get us doing our um, lost in the bunker full throttle comedy podcast where Kaplan and I, we just, we just, it's, it's jokes. It's nonstop. You can you can show up to work the next day. Tell them to your friends, and they'll think they're your stories. But you get it for all for five bucks a month. And let me tell you, it's it's jokes. It's about our lives. And this week in my life, I'm going to be testifying in court. It's going to be in the newspapers and on the Robert De Niro uh, case, his his gender discrimination case. He's in battled in. You're going you to be hear seeing, here first. Yeah, you're going to be seeing stuff in the newspaper. Go to the New York Post. Go to Hollywood Reporter. It's all over the place. But I'm not going to talk about any of that on Lost in America. But for our Patreons, $5 a month, you get, you're going to get the entire story this week of what I go through. Because I'm going to be ordering the Code Red on the stage. I'm going to be up there. I'm going to be giving out. 
I'm going to be in good form. I'm going to bring it. <laughs> so, Kaplan bringing whole- out a 1991 reference. <laughs> well, I can't think of a legal drama that was more recent. What's a good one? You can't <laughs> handle the truth. <laughs> you can't handle the truth is what I'm going to yell at. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> Kaplan's going to be uh, on the stand, everybody. He's going to be swearing on a Bible. He's going to say, Ooh, I swear to tell really? the whole truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God. And they say, which God? And he goes, mm. we got enough things to worry about in the world yeah. right now. Let's not get down to no, which God I'm swearing uh, on. To try to bridge the the peace, I'm going to swear in a Quran. I'm going to say, give me the Quran. There we I'm go. Yes. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm going to swear so to all the gods. You could request a Quran. Quran. I don't know. Do they I've never been to court before. That's going to be my first question. Do they just know, oh, Kaplan, bring him the uh, the Jewish Bible? Or do they ask you ahead of time? Or are they, what, what are gonna find no, out? I think everybody gets the King James, <laughs> the Christian Bible. Doesn't the whole, all of America get the Christian Bible? Do they know? They didn't you tell... Didn't you just tell us, tell me on the Patreon show that King James was like a, what was he, a pedophile or something? Or what was the, what was the news? That's according me? to somebody. I don't know who. <laughs> that, that's the Bible. That's, <laughs> you, whatever, pick your Bible, but it's the Christian Bible. You're not swearing on the Book of Mormon. You're not I, swearing on the, the lost letters of but Scientology. But isn't it a meaningless swear if I swear in a Bible that my people don't really believe in all of it? Like, well, it might be it, meaningless it, to you, but <laughs> wait, you so know, this is a want. Christian country. You're a, a parent, okay, you're a part all of. All right, I'm going to swear to Jesus. Fine. You wouldn't that's know it from the news. I'm going to tell it all uh, on the is. Patreon show. Yeah. Tell it all on the Patreon show. The ins, the outs, the what have yous. All mm. in there. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Lost in America, folks. And uh, I think that's it. Should we get to um, the episode? I guess I should promote my dates. I'm going to be on the road. I'm going to be. Oh, I'm in Northern California. Everybody come see me at the Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley, California, in the Bay Area, just across the Golden Gate Bridge on November 14th. I will be there. Come on out. Get your tickets. Turnersparks.com. Um, more dates coming soon. I'm going to, it looks like I'm going to be going to Mexico. Oh, late. Also November 29th. I will be in Rye, New York. Oh, for those tickets, Jersey city on December 8th and 9th at the laugh tour comedy club, Back back to back all over the place. I'm also doing a ton of country clubs, but those are private shows. And, um, and then uh, our listeners don't don't belong to country clubs. They're not early next year. I'll be in Mexico. Um, and, and a a lot more dates coming very soon. So go all of that at turnersparks.com. You understand. understand Let's get to the enough of us. Let's get to today's episode. Play the brains. Welcome to the world's smartest podcast roundtable edition. I am your host, for this uh, this afternoon, uh, my name is Sir Michael Ira Kaplan, and I am joined by Dr. Andrea Jones Roy. Hello, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Andrew Heaton. Good day, and my old my old friend Turner Sparks from the Lost in America podcast. Yes, how you doing? And Andrea is from the Majoring in Everything podcast. Heaton's from the Political Orphanage podcast. You can get all of them. On yes, I should have said your that. phones, <laughs> on any uh, platform, all, all any and all platforms, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you wherever you listen to podcasts. Go ahead. Cap. I will you mail you a file directly if you prefer. Mail, That's what I'll look do. at that. Yeah. That's what yeah. we're doing. So uh, and today we have an interesting conversation. I hope everyone will enjoy uh, talking about Israel, Palestine. Always oh. fun. But more specific, more specifically, we're going to talk about what's going on on campus in America. Um, what got my attention you know, as someone who who went to uh, as a Jewish person who went to college, I've, I'm well aware that colleges have always leaned left and been a little bit not not crazy about Israel. But what got my attention this time around 
was just how two things. One, how, uh, you know, far the protests have gone, how angry they've gotten, how crazy they've gotten. But two, and what I want to talk about today is how a lot of donors have responded to this. A lot of big donors um, are pulling their money out of schools like Harvard and Penn, uh, a lot of big the Ivies, a lot, of, a lot of big schools, and they're, they're resigning from boards that they sit on. They're saying they're not going to donate any more money. Uh, you know, Penn specifically, uh, a big donor is a, a name. Uh, look at Mark Rowan, sorry, of the Apollo Group is is he's like their biggest donor they have, and he says I'm not giving any more money uh, until the president of the university resigns. So this is the type of thing, and uh, it's and a lot of people are not giving money to Harvard. So I want to uh, start. I'm gonna start with we start with Andrea because she is our resident professor from NYU <laughs> or formerly of NYU. Thank and I just yes. want to know. Yeah, I want to get they're, your perspective. They're a rogue on... professor. I believe the preferred title now yeah. is rogue professor or rogue. freelance professor. <laughs> professor of the people. All right. I'm a professor yeah. of the, yeah. the people's yeah. professor. It's, a lifetime. it's like if you're a president, you always call yourself president. If you're a coach, they always call you a coach. Maestro. You're always a professor. Yeah, yeah. that's your title. Maestro. Yeah. Exactly. Maestro. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, like, you know how the universities work. Like, will this make a difference? Um, because like, and I, to back up for a second, one of the things they're very upset about is that the universities, not that the students lean left and are protesting, but that the universities didn't issue uh, statements or uh, many of them mm-hmm. that were, they try to, in, they, they didn't want to do any statements. And then they issued kind of like broad, both sides of these statements. They weren't very forceful, like the same way right. they were with George Floyd or with many other situations recently in recent history. Um, so do you think this will make a difference? Will universities st- kind of back down or maybe in the future they just won't even they'll just stay out of everything now (laughs) right well that's a good point it's like why do we expect these institutions to take stands anyway and there's that's that's a separate conversation but i i want to say that of course and we're not you know we're not going to focus on this but of course the conflict is horrible everyone's dying i hate it i wish we weren't in this situation however i am darkly thrilled by these universities ripping themselves apart from the inside. I love it. Yes. <laughs> I am watching it. I am eating popcorn. I am. I picked up drinking again. I'm so excited. All right. So as uh, uh, all of your <laughs> listeners know, so Heat and I was on your show complaining about academia. Uh, Turner and Cap, I went on your off the record show and complained even more with off the record examples about why I hate academia. And it ultimately boils down, as far as I can see, I'm very disgruntled. Uh, as far as I can see, universities are just money-making machines. I'm talking more about private universities. Public universities are complicated in their own way, and they're also kind of money-making machines. But private universities in particular, I was at NYU. You're talking about Penn. The Ivies have come, been in the news a lot. And the way that they make money is through donors and through tuition and alumni. So forever, they basically are just catering to the whims of Gen Z or the millennials or whoever the students are because they want them to all feel loved and heard and respected. And then they want them to be alumni donors. And that's so important, but then they're also catering to donors. And as you said, with BLM, it was the case that because universities in the United States tend to be more left-leaning, it was pretty clear that everyone was like, we stand with uh, black lives matter, et cetera, et cetera. And only some people started the like free university in Texas or whatever. So it was just much more of a monolith of like what the right answer was. And as we're seeing on social media, as I'm seeing in my own as the token uh, left-leaning person here, I'm seeing my friends go like splinter off into like kill Israel forever and other people on the left like kind of standing with like the Biden message. Universities are an example of all of that. And so finally, the the universities have to decide 
whether they are there to serve students or whether they are there to serve rich people. And I don't know the answer because they eventually hope that the students will become the rich people. Become and so rich I just, people, right? Yeah, tied together. I'm desperate <laughs> to see how this is going to unfold. And so, and we were just talking last night. Uh, I was walking through Greenwich Village, and there was a huge protest that I think was NYU students. I, I don't really know, and I don't I was even in a know bar. for sure. Yeah, well, you were there. It was, it was unaware. It, it went right by me. <laughs> it went right by you. But I like all these police were there and they're like, you got to get out of here. And so NYU students are out of their minds. I'll just talk about NYU. And I think this is happening at campuses everywhere. NYU students are demanding, of course, like they're pro-Palestine, free Palestine. Freedom for Palestine is freedom for us all. OK, uh, but they're also <laughs> demanding that NYU rights. cut ties with Israel. And NYU has a long relationship. So there's donors, and there's also uh, we have a Tel Aviv we a Tel Aviv campus. When I was at NYU Shanghai, it was hard to recruit faculty to move from the United States to live in Shanghai to like build up the university. So about half of our faculty were from, I think Haifa University, University of Haifa. Like so, like yeah. lots of Go Israeli tigers. faculty. What's that? Terrorists? Is that Go tigers. tigers. Go Tiger! I thought you said terrorist. I was like, "Whoa!" No, he, no, no, you no, no. He's coming out. I'm not swinging. I'm not swinging yet. I'm not swinging uh, yet. I was just making a higher ed joke. A higher ed joke. All right, very good. Uh, and and so the university has deep, deep ties with Israel, um, and um, it's it's a mess. And I am just dying to see how it all all unfolds because students are so far to the left, and the universities have never stood for anything other than making the people who give them money happy. And so from a higher ed perspective, I'm like, I thought COVID was going to kill higher ed. This might kill higher ed. And I am here for it. And I would just to put this in perspective, I just want the University of Pennsylvania has already lost one hundred and fifty million dollars in donations Let's go. from Let's go. So, <laughs> this a lot of money we're talking about. Uh, I'm, I'm glad, uh, Andrew, that you, you brought up the, the money making capacity of universities because the the rhetoric surrounding universities, I think, is very firmly entrenched in. We're the little guys providing knowledge, and it is a trillion-dollar-a-year industry in the United States. Mm -hmm. Higher ed accounts for a trillion dollars. The economy of Canada is $1.9 trillion a year. So the, the higher education system in the United States is half a Canada worth of economy going on. The assets of the Ivy League institutions you're talking about are about the same as the assets of Apple and Amazon and a couple of other mm -hmm. very large companies. So it's, but they there's act a lot like of, they're not these tech no. profit-hungry, whatever. It's, as you said, there's a um, Malcolm Gladwell. I came across it in an article. I think he's since roped it into a book, and I've seen him give talks on it, where he talks about Princeton as the first ever perpetual motion machine, meaning they have so much money coming in from donations fuck is this? Pardon me. Someone All just right. did a thumbs up. <laughs> I didn't want that. Yeah. Perpetual motion. Princeton is, is uh, in his mind, a perpetual motion machine because they have so much money coming in from donors and uh, they have such a huge, um, oh God, what's the word? Uh, endowment. They have such a huge endowment that they can live off of the interest. And basically, according to him, they could never charge another student tuition for the rest of their existence and still continue to turn a profit because they have so much money that they're just riding on this. And so, it's it's unthinkably huge the amount of money that these yeah. places are treading in. And I'm honestly glad to see that 
this is well, forcing the, us to have that conversation. The, the, the part I that don't I'm finding... think it's worth it. I wish there was no conflict. I just need to keep saying that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. We, we're, we're all... Really, yes. Hamas is trying to, to run down uh, higher education and expose the hypocrisy. That's, that's one that's of their... That's in their charter. Message. People are yeah, charters. A river is, to the sea, and then number two, get rid of American <laughs> higher education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the part of the schadenfreude that I am enjoying of the higher ed side of this, again, yes. everything Andrea said, I'm very much with them. Uh, but... Uh, like I, I, I think, uh, Catherine, you've been you've been sending a lot of stories to us uh, in our in our text thread, and and one of them was uh, a professor I don't know where Stanford I think maybe uh, was giving students extra credit for going yes. to pro Palestine rallies and and for continent, not just and I looked at it because I was like well maybe this is a thing where understandably a professor would say hey you need to educate yourself on this so if you go to a rally you know and and but it, it was rally. go to the rally and then you, you could also get credit for contacting your congressman in favor of palestine so she, she was advocating for uh political participation and giving credit based on that and what a lot of the donors are doing from what i can tell is going hey wait a minute you're indoctrinating them with the wrong thing we all agree higher ed is about indoctrination we all mm-hmm. agree higher ed does not exist to teach critical reasoning skills it exists as a kind of theological institute which gives people the correct uh, ephemeral and esoteric knowledge but now you're doing the wrong knowledge and so i'm kind of liking that bit where people are going wait a minute maybe having higher ed be designed around giving people the right ideas rather than teaching them how to think was kind of a bad step right and it's finally I, coming I, to the to the left, basically, because we've been in higher ed. There's a lot of criticism of the Koch brothers and how they fund a lot of universities. And there's also been issues oh, yeah. where uh, the Chinese government has funded various faculty members and universities around there because because they're getting in there. And then we on the left get all up in arms and say, oh, we can't take donor conservative money or like, why are we letting, you know, this, this these people from China tell us. But it's you're right. It's only because we have our own message. And now that our message yeah. is not one that we agree with, uh, we have to talk about it. It's like we finally oh, are like, oh, we're in water, too. Oh, shit. As as a distant yeah. cousin of the Coctopus, as I think the most contact with the Coctopus here, like wow. the, the Cokes who fund like <laughs> the, the Kennedy Center, like, like, yeah. they, they, like the they, they probably yeah. fund the Lincoln Hoover Center. Institution over at Stanford, which is a great think tank built into yeah. Stanford. And what it does is create a lot of really good economists that you don't have to agree with. But the point of the economics department is not to be monolithic. Uh, right. And on, on the flip side, like I've been I've been I'm reading uh, Greg Lukianoff's books right now, uh, the, the canceling of the American mind and and how insidious the obligatory DEI statements are where, mm. where they're like, you know, explain why you believe in social justice and this very specific kind of diversity. Mm. And you're like, well, I don't really agree with how you phrase it. And they're like, well, you can't work here. And it's like mm-hmm. been, been a way to like just completely thin out anybody that is not completely on board with a monolithic, super blue progressive message. And I, so I'm fine with the Koch brothers funding a couple of like random miscellaneous non-progressives that hang out at the back of Stanford. That seems to me to be a win for everybody. Um, I would like to just jump in here for a second. Uh, The I I know what people must be thinking right now, which is that why doesn't why don't why don't the universities just stay out of all this? Right. Yes. Why don't. And and I'm here to tell you, Stanford tried that about a week ago, two weeks ago. Didn't work. Failed miserably. Stanford said so. Basically, there was no nothing on um, Hamas went in and killed fourteen hundred Israeli citizens, uh, not military people, innocent people. We all know that. Right. Uh, And then nothing. Stanford University, no statement. And about and then all this within a a few days, the donors started saying, hey, where's the statement where you've you've spoken out on Black Lives Matter? You've spoken out on climate change. You've spoken out Mm -hmm. every single thing. Um, And. 
So it took about a week, maybe 10 days. And finally, the president of Stanford said, oh, I'm very happy to announce Stanford has a brand new policy that we don't comment on events of the world anymore. <laughs> and they and, and then they said it with a big smile. Remember when uh, they did the, the Imagine, Gal Gadot did Imagine We Are the World or whatever, and that was supposed to end <laughs> yes. COVID? And then at the end, she had that big smile, like mission accomplished at the end of the oh, song. Oh, I love it. <laughs> This was the Stanford, the dean of Stanford did that big smile like, huh, what are you going to say now? We don't comment anymore. And then everyone, I think, rightly pointed out, well, isn't this a convenient time to stop commenting? So (laughs) every they kind so the non comment, I know it's like people say silence is your answer. I mean, silence, silence is violence or whatever people say. But I I, I don't think silence is violence if you're Shaquille O'Neal. You know, if you've never commented on anything ever, then sure, I'm not waiting on a comment from Shaquille O'Neal on what to, I am, what to, but okay, what to yeah. think on the Hamas and Israel. <laughs> but if you're an institution or a person, if you're Tucker Carlson or your Stanford University or your uh, uh, Cuomo Junior or whatever the 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 guy, whatever <laughs> network he's on now. Uh, Chris Cuomo. You do comment. People are expecting a comment because that's kind of you always do that. So the second that's you what say you do, no comment. comment, yeah, there's well, it's it, you're not allowed to just get out now. And I do, I I am happy that people didn't just let that go away with Stanford. And I think Stanford does. I mean, I know what on uh, being a West Coast person, a Northern California person, where I grew up, that Stanford is getting as much flack out there as as the. Um, as the the Ivy Leagues are here in the Northeast. Yes. Last thing I want to say before we move on is I went uh, University of Miami, my university. Yes. I'm very proud to say that they immediately, within hours of the Hamas attacks, had a full statement saying we stand with Israel. We totally. It's like they just came out of me, and and I haven't heard a single thing of what's, my- what's stuff going on down there. I did look it up. There was a there was a free Palestine protest, and then there was a. Um, uh, uh, I stand with Israel protests, both of them. I'm also proud to say very small. My university, the students do not care about politics at all. They're very checked out. They go. Yeah, this, is a, this is the type of school I want to go to. So my kids. I think if I had Miami. been a professor at University of Miami, I would stay in academia from everything Turner has described over the years. <laughs> they don't care. Uh, we have a giant swimming pool in the middle of campus. There's palm trees. Yes. Everyone just sits by the pool, gets Enjoy drunk life. on the weekends and goes to football games. And both of those were peaceful, but they were also like 12 students. So um, <laughs> and, and and yeah, Turner sent you sent me that the day it happened. You sent me the we stand with Israel email and mm-hmm. I got me. I see I'm like old fashioned. It didn't even dawn on me. The universities would be issuing statements. So I went to look at in my inbox because my alma mater Syracuse is always hitting me up for money. You're sending me things about football games, basketball games. They sent nothing. I went onto mm. their Twitter feed and they were tweeting about like Indigenous Peoples Day or something right? <laughs> and wishing everyone that. And uh, then people were mad that it, they didn't say anything about Columbus Day. Nobody else. So I had a. So, yeah. <laughs> and they never released a statement. Syracuse just has. They haven't even given in the Stanford thing. They've just gone. Uh, but th- it is amazing because they love to leave, leave issue statements when every like you said, when 100 percent or 99 percent agree. Right. Very easy thing to do. 
Now they're well, really NYU, the second, that the second like we five did. to ten percent or whatever it might be. I guess it turns out more. I, I understand. Yeah, college campus is probably like fifteen to twenty percent. Yeah, fifteen to twenty percent yeah. disagree, and so then therefore all of a sudden we don't make statements anymore. Um, well, Turner, yeah. when you sent the statement from University of Miami, I went looking for the NYU one because I can still access that email even though I try not to. And NYU did release a statement, and it was exactly the the half hearted. <laughs> pansy both sides kind of and this was before israel did any retaliation there weren't nearly as right, many exactly it was just there was still, a terrorist attack a horrible it was coming. one of the worst terrorist attacks ever and that was what we're talking at this point yeah. right and the and the email was mostly you know our hearts are so heavy we think of our you know fellow humans around the world and then it was all mental health resources for students it was like call this hotline if you're struggling you're like, oh, well, can okay, I, okay can, can i can I represent so the mealy should... mouth position for a minute? Because yes. part of what confuses me on this <laughs> is I, I, first of all, I don't know a lot about this. I've assiduously avoided having yep. to learn about Israel and Palestine Same. ever since I, had, not because I, I don't care, because I was just, I just want one thing I don't have to have an opinion on. Like when everybody was freaking out about Netanyahu and the judges, I was like, nope. Nope, exactly. I'm not learn. I'm, I refuse to <laughs> learn about this. I already have to learn about tariffs and all this other stuff. It's just what now. Okay, so I, I'm coming in as a two on two out of ten in terms of knowledge on this topic, and so I, I understand the position of coming in going. This is very very complicated uh, uh, in terms of general policy prescriptions. Nobody's perfect here. There are, there are things that ought to be. Uh, remade on both sides. So I can see that. Or, or like, like, how does America factor into this? I think that there's a fairly wide spectrum of opinion that is uh, intelligent and ethical, but I can do that and at the same time condemn a terrorist attack and right. say that there are legitimate grievances on behalf of the Palestinian people. And there, there is a plight to the Palestinian people, but, but killing people in a music festival and beheading old people, like that's a, a horrible thing. Like that, that bit I have no traction with whatsoever. But I, I, can, I can understand having stated that then going, you know, this, this is a complicated situation. And, mm -hmm. and my instincts are not to immediately side with a nation state unless I know what's going on really fully. Right. I wish yeah, more people well were said. like you, Heaton, because I, usually we just say, who... Who am I following? Ah, that's the one. No, and then it, I just and, post a flag. And people who don't know anything about this issue now become experts. Like people became experts on COVID. They became experts. On, people just become experts now and right. they post a video. Well, and, and, and I think they're and, yeah. I think they're keying off of each other, right? So, like, what I'm noticing, and this isn't everybody. I think this is a a, a deep and uh, passionate issue for many people. But if you're a hardcore Republican and you go on Twitter and you see that the super blue college students are pro Palestine, then you're like, well, then I guess I'm pro Israel. Yes. Fuck right. you. And That's then if right. that guy does that, then the guy in college is like, well, the MAGA people are pro Israel, so clearly Palestine's not racist. So like, like it ends up being this. Effective polarization, a term I learned from teams. Andrea. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I like that bit I don't want to do anything with where I, I make my decisions based on who I hate. I don't want to do that. Well, the other That's thing and then we'll move on, uh, Cap. But the other yeah. the, the last thing I want to say here is it's also this topic in general, which we didn't want to get too far into uh, specifically. But it's it's a it's one of the most difficult ones uh, to Heaton's point to figure out where you stand if you're not an educated person on it, if you haven't spent your life in, indoctrinated in one side or the other or studying one side or the other, because it's moving very quickly. Yes. It went from uh, Israel just got attacked to then Israel's uh, fighting back to innocent people are dying to it's all it's like covid the facts moved the information moved over a number of years you know like three right. years later like well maybe the vaccines weren't as good as we first thought they were but we had the thing it's like that but sped up into two weeks 
and, and so, way more emotional and personal, I think, for a lot of people. And it's a it depends on where you live. You know, if you know, time. there's a lot of people in America and around the world who've never met a Jewish person in their life. The Jews are only how, how many in the world cap? There's like about 15 million of us. We are not 15 big, million on the entire Earth. Earth. Yeah, so like half of them are in Israel. Cap, so. There's <laughs> people got, who either I've are Jewish or who are friends with Jewish people who are it's it's personal to them. And then right. there's 95 percent of the world where it's not. It's a video game they're watching on TV, you know. Right. In Oklahoma, where I'm from, where a lot of people don't know any Jews, Jews are like mythical biblical creatures. Ooh, and so without that. actually knowing anything about modern Jews, like, I know I know people that have elaborate eschatological foreign policy positions where they're like, well, we have to support Israel as a state because when the Antichrist comes, he has to sit on the throne of Moses for Jesus to return. Exactly. Honestly, like, that take makes a lot more sense than a lot of the stuff I've seen on Instagram recently. <laughs> and I, I should There's also say not a lot of people know Palestinians either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, a lot of people don't know. Yeah, exactly. They don't know anybody in the region. They don't know. Yeah. So and people they don't know, like people like me have been involved. You say, like, we know about this issue for years, but other people are just they're learning it so fast and they're believing everything they read. And it's it's a, I literally it's, I consider a, myself no. vaguely knowledgeable of events. Heaton, I'm like you in that I've largely opted out of being embroiled in this particular issue. And that's a state of privilege, blah, blah, blah. But uh, when the Hamas attack happened, I actually went to Israel's Wikipedia page because I was like, how did we have Israel? Where did it come from? Who has a claim? I don't know. <laughs> I did that too. I had no idea. <laughs> Wikipedia. This is how little I know about this. No one knows. None of us know what we're talking about, except maybe well, Kaplan and, and people with personal ties. The, we told you about Gaia Provides a couple months ago. Gaia Provides is back. They are a holistic small batch company crafting quality lab tested hemp based health and wellness products for pets. Kaplan, you've been giving it to Pancakes, Kaplan. Pancakes the dog over the last few months. How's she doing? Yeah, she loves these. Uh, I give her the beef liver flavor, the ones for small dogs. Um, And I give her a half a treat in the morning, a half a treat at night, and she loves them. They're delicious. She always barks for them. Uh, she's a, she's a, you know, my dog's a little dog. She's a mental patient. I like to say she's a lovable mental patient. So she's always, she's always, uh, stressed out, neurotic, just like me about something. But these, these make her chill. They calm her down. Uh, she does, obviously, you know, she's in a wheelchair. She has a lot of, uh, discomfort, uh, naturally. And these definitely help. Uh, I definitely see, a you know, she's has a high quality of life because of, uh, we take good care of her over here. And these are a key part of our daily routine. So we love guy provides over here in the Kaplan household. And all these products, Cap, are THC-free. They do not have THC, which makes them safe for your pets. And I know Pancakes is always scared of all those fireworks you have in Long Island City, Queens, right there on the East River. They're shooting them off all the time. How's she doing with the fireworks once she yeah. takes this guy it provides? Yeah, when I used to be, I used to dread fireworks. I used to dread loud noises and thunderstorms. Um, but now I just enjoy them because when I give them to pancakes, this makes it, like I said earlier, it makes her calm, makes her cool, makes her collected, makes her just sit there and enjoy life. So these, Look at that. Uh, I love, you they can have these enjoy drops. fireworks again. You can enjoy America again. You can enjoy <laughs> freedom again with Gaia provides everybody check out Gaia provides and use our promo code lost L O S T for a great deal. That is www. G-A-I-A provides P-R-O-V-I-D-E-S dot com. And and then just so you know, they also have on top of the treats, they have these little drops you could put in the food. So if you you know if you wanna you, you can get if they don't like the treat for whatever reason, these drops are also delicious. So guy provides. All right. So I want to move us on here, guys. Yeah, 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 uh yeah, yeah. 
Is I, I think the question after this would be, so all this money is getting taken out of universities, right? The yeah. wealthy people are pro-Israel. And so they're saying, I'm not going to be funding these institutions anymore. A lot, a lot of people are saying, I'm not going to be funding an institution that disagrees with my views. The next question would be, is that fair? Uh, yeah. Is that a fair way to approach this? Turner, do you mean in the perspective of should donors have a say over that kind of a say over the places they're donating? Or are you donating and saying, it's just like, I'm not going to donate to the Red Cross and then tell them how to run their business. Is that the idea? I guess the second one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we think that this is, and not only fair, I guess fair is not the answer. Is this the solution, I guess, is the best way to go with. So in the future, um, should, if, does this set a precedent that it, whatever you will you will um, fund something so long as it agrees with every single thing you agree with? Right. That's what is, I was. Is, yeah, exactly. Is this a brighter it's, it's a, future mm. or not? We want to have a free speech society on campus. And it's sort of. So, yeah, that's the thing. Like, how much say should the people who are donating money have? In I think, Adrian, right. you go first, yeah. since you're the yeah. one with deep knowledge of this stuff or. or well, it's in it. it's. Exactly the kind of double two-faced hypocritical everything that we've been talking about is no shock my angle on this or, or my take on this, which is that in principle and in words, donors have no say over what universities do, what universities teach or anything like that. I do not work in the alumni relations or donor or or development. There's all kinds of like comp, like words, euphemistic words for get money from rich people to fund the university. I'm not involved in those, but I've had a few conversations with those offices where they will say, hey, we have a, a person who's contacted us and they want to make a gift for a scholarship or they want to make a donation in some form. Like, would you speak with them because they want something to do with data science? So I've like been in the system where the, the people who who court these donors, then ask me to talk to them or, or say like, what, what sorts of places could we put this money or whatever else? And basically it's just like, if you were like trying to sell, they're, they're trying to sell something to these rich people. And in the process of doing it, the more money these people give you, the more you're going to sell them the thing that they want. And so you're going to start to say, oh, you prefer cars with like this sort of feature. I'm going to put that in. And so you just keep it's it's not written in, but it just happens naturally that you're like, I want to keep getting this person to give me money. And so I'm going to say, hey, what sort of things? Literally, they were like, let me give you a concrete example. They said, OK, we want someone wants to donate money to the Center for Data Science to establish an alumni network. And we didn't have an alumni network because we were a new department. And they said, okay, could you establish an alumni network if this person donated money? And so we had a big conversation like, well, it's something we were going to do anyway, but we're going to, I guess, prioritize it more because we want this money. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for all of this, but basically we ended up developing a program because a donor wanted it. And so I've never had a say, case where a donor is like, let me see your syllabus. What are you putting on there? But there is a lot of power in a subtle way over where the university generally directs its energy. You can also say, I want you to have a, a faculty center that focuses on this kind of research, and I'll give you money for that sort of thing. Um, and, and so you'll get money. I think an example was at, at uh, BU where Ibram Kendi, I don't know how to say his name, the, the anti-racist person. Uh, yeah. They started a whole center after BLM for him and yeah. for his research. And I'm sure that came, A, he brought in a lot of money because he's a public figure. And B, I'm sure a ton of people on the left who wanted to support anti-racism threw money at that. And so 
You can choose where you put your money and you can influence what the university prioritizes. And so they absolutely have had a say. I think, Turner, you're right to bring up the the question of like, should they have a say? And I think the answer ought to be no, but in reality, it isn't. And they sit on boards and I do you know what is what is some because some of these people are stepping off of boards. Do they have influence on how things are taught when they're on a board or what what do you do on a board other than go to I don't know what university boards do. I'm on a board of a nonprofit and we do have some say. And I don't know why, because I don't I shouldn't have a say in how this company is run, but basically we kind of have to approve or not approve various decisions. And so I think the board can kind of play like a veto power role where we say, I don't think the university should put X amount of money in this area. I think they should be prioritizing this or, or I think you should be recruiting students from these backgrounds and not those backgrounds, whatever. Cause I will say the last thing before I know he's got something to say here, but that mm-hmm. I read that the, in, at Penn, that was part of the reason they're pulling money because the people, basically the people who were upset about the uh, the like Hamas Literary Festival they did a few mm-hmm. weeks ago and about the way the pen didn't respond at all to this were t- basically they were told well, maybe you shouldn't be on the board like right. they basically anyone who was like sort of pro-Israel or like piping in a little bit they were like maybe this isn't the place for you to be on the board so then they were like if you don't want us on the board you're not getting our money either like we're out so right anyway. right can I make a I have a solution here yeah let's go what if these board and now I'm thinking as somebody from inside the university. Okay, we've yes. lost the um we've lost the uh American uh we've lost the Jewish money, right? We've lost the American money, the American right money. Yeah. What if we money. just go to what if we go to Hamas and we say, "Hey, do you want to fund Stanford?" <laughs> yeah, go to Iran. You know, they got money. Because Hamas money comes from Iran, so we got to go to Iran then. Okay. <laughs> go right to- yeah. You start to see a lot of like Iranian institutes. It's double down is what I'm saying here. You lean in, as Hillary Clinton once said. And now it's that just would... it's it's Stanford University brought to you by Hamas, right? It's something like that. We put their name right under the banner, right? Right under I'm the I'm majoring title. in like, freedom fighting or whatever. Well, I don't know if the, that's from the river to the sea kayak team or whatever. Like, yeah. Team, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we go literally lean in. I like this. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, uh, first of all, I apologize, Turner. I, I missed your initial kickoff question. I've got thoughts on what we've previously said, but can you restate the kickoff question for me? I also, the question Heaton, sorry, is, you're really quiet. Is that true for anyone else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Heaton's volume went down a lot. Um, maybe I'll, I'll maybe like, I'll jump in here while Heaton's sorting I, that out. The question, Heaton, is: Is it fair I, and is it a good future if um, if if these donors are now pulling their money or not pulling their money based off of individual? rallies and uh or or statements made by the university topic by topic you know statement Uh, by statement is this a good way to go go forward and i find uh go ahead heaton you seem to have your thoughts together i i think it's a good thing i alluded to this at the beginning the beginning of our conversation i do not like the purpose of education to teach people the right thing to believe and think i feel that way Mm -hmm. in public school in high school i feel that way particularly in higher ed academia the 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 purpose of education is to provide knowledge and critical reasoning skills where you think for yourself it's not to to have a giant machine where we put the unwashed masses in so that they can believe the things that upright people like you and i think and when we treat education like a really big mechanism to crank thoughts out on a conveyor belt, it ends up becoming really important who controls it and who funds it. We're starting to see these fights like in, in Florida and places like that where the state legislature is coming in and saying, well, we're going we're to defund all the public universities if they teach these particular topics uh, or they have to teach these particular topics. And previously, the universities had their own 
insular monolithic mechanisms for uh, charting knowledge to go in its particular direction. So I am very suspicious of this mechanism anyway and an outright foe of it. So I think it's a good thing for these fissures to be happening. Um, mm -hmm. Like uh, if, if I – okay, I'm going to make a walk for a second here. If I, could, if I could push a red button and make the Catholic Church disappear, I wouldn't do it. There's a lot of things I like about the Catholic Church, but I wouldn't go I back to when the Catholic Church could take your money and kill you. I think that was actually a really good step for the Catholic Church was where the Catholic Church has to go to you and go, we'd really like some of your money. And you go, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you guys are doing a good job or nah, not going to give you my money. I think that was a very, very good purifying step for the Catholic Church in terms of corruption, in terms of morality. Uh, and and so when when you have a monopoly of power in a particular field, it doesn't tend to benefit the the inherent intentions of it. And I think one of the other big problems that's going on in higher education right now is that it does have a monopoly on what constitutes legitimate knowledge mm -hmm. in that uh, in our system in the United States, if you don't go to college, well, you're just kind of a loser, aren't you? You get to be at the bottom of the pyramid because you kind of fucked up. You're an idiot. Yeah. You didn't go to college. Only smart people go to college. And that's stupid. That's wrong. There's lots of like when, when Carnegie was funding uh, uh, libraries throughout the United States, that was a repository of knowledge where people could go and educate themselves. And today we have libraries and we have Kindles and we have YouTube and we have great courses. And I think we ought to think and we of have the world's you know, smartest podcast network, we have the world's smartest podcast. <laughs> yes. There's all these different mechanisms to get knowledge from. And universities are a, a good mechanism to get knowledge from, but they're not the exclusive mechanism to get knowledge from. And I, I think it would be beneficial for everybody to think of it like the great courses CDs you can buy, where if somebody goes, I've listened to all the great courses in X, you'd be like, that guy's pretty smart. But you wouldn't look at everybody else in the room and go, well, they're fucking idiots because they didn't listen to this particular great courses thing. So these fissures that we're starting to see of, you know, what, what is the actual purpose of university? Uh, um, mm -hmm. You know, to, to, to what extent are we going to fund this? All of these are very good questions. And I think it would be very helpful to the university system to have a really deep uh, um, introspective moment on what its purpose is. And I think right now its purpose is to crank out certificates because they're worth a lot of money and it ought to get back into the business of teaching people how to think. I will also so Heaton, add to that. Oh, I just, well, I just want to clear up Heaton's point. So do you think it's good that the, the donors are pulling their money or it's bad? Yeah, I think it's good. I like, wh it's why are they pulling their money? Cause, cause we're, well, cause we, we, we want universities to teach and adopt particular positions because it's, a medieval institution that's indoctrinating people. And I, I think be, being seeing this, this connection between money and indoctrination is a very healthy thing. Uh, and, and, and being able to pull back from that and go, well, maybe we just shouldn't make this about trying to sculpt thought uh, or sp specific thought outcomes, rather the mechanisms of how to do it. That would be positive. So I view this as but a good thing. I think that any, any moment Haiti. where the universities have to think about what they're doing is good. Couldn't you argue the opposite angle, though, that they're pulling their money specifically because these students don't agree with them? Can you it, rephrase that? I didn't follow. Yeah. So my question is, uh, couldn't you argue the opposite angle? So that if they're saying my money is going towards, uh, say, Princeton University, and I am a, a Jewish person in America and I support Israel. And now that I'm seeing these students don't support what I support, I'm pulling my money. But I would keep my money in if the students did support what I support. Heaton. Hmm. Well, it's, it's, if it's about the no, students, I, Kaplan, quite, stop, uh, Kaplan. Uh, I was asking Heaton. This is a question. Okay, okay. For I, no, I'm just I'm saying. Trying to frame for him. It. Do you know what I'm saying? So, if, I, 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 I see what you're saying, but I, I do see. I, I guess I see like an agency difference between these two things. It, okay. Let's say I become very wealthy and and I dress like I am. Yeah. But let's say I catch <laughs> yes, up with my wardrobe sure. at some point and I become wealthy. Um, and I I want to become a patron of the University of Oklahoma, my alma mater. 
Um, my priorities would be very different as a donor than they would be a, as a student. As a student, uh, I am personally there, and it is an experience that I'm having in a community that I'm joining and that I'm living in. Uh, and as a donor, I'm, I would be much more concerned with the intellectual rigor of the university. I would want students to be uncomfortable. I don't think students should be comfortable. I think they should be constantly challenged and have ideas that they're encountering that make them uncomfortable. If I were a student, I don't know that I'd care as much about that. Now that I'm out of it, I'm like, no, I want to throw you guys all into the pot and like make you think really hard and make you sweat. I think that's good, right? So I, I don't know that the the, the, the consumer, the, the, um, the uh, student is going to have the same outlook as the investor, the, the funder. And that yeah, actually, I like just this- feel, uh, again, no, that... And I personally think I personally think that if you have money, you should be able to do whatever you want with it. I don't think anyone mm-hmm. should be beholden. And also, this is just the real world. Like, if you don't think that, grow up. You know, people are allowed to do whatever they want with their money. But um, it it does create it does they it, this is leaning towards campaign donations. And as Andrea said, I'm sure very fairly, it's I guess it's always been that way. We're just kind of waking up to it. The average, the the, the casual observer is kind of waking up to it. But this is, I'll continue giving money to you as long as what you're doing reflects what what you're what you're teaching, what your students are reflects my point of view. Go ahead. Well, and I think the the intersection, Turner and Heaton, of what you're saying is that for a long time, like rich people have always done whatever they wanted with their money, and I'm going to give money to this foundation to support jazz musicians, and I'm going to give money to support literacy, and I'm going to give money to support the climate, or whatever I want. Um, and they've been giving money to universities with the expectation, it seems, and we're we're seeing this now, with the expectation that the universities would then carry their social justice or or priority message. Like whether I'm a, a Koch brother or whether I'm on the left, I am giving money to this university because they're teaching people to think the way I want them to think. And I think the reckoning here that Heaton maybe, tell me if I've got this right, is excited about is now we're saying, oh, actually, if you're going to give money to a university – you should be giving money to the idea of teaching someone how to think, not teaching them what to think. If you want to teach, donate money to tell people what to think, donate to an advocacy group for whatever it is that you care about. Don't donate to university. We're not there yet, but that's kind of like where it could go if this shakes out the way I think we're all hoping it will. That would, yeah, well, well put. That would I would settle for actually having different viewpoints within academia. I would settle yeah. for that. If you if you had like and you you see um, intellectual diversity within economics departments, you see very little intellectual diversity within anthropology, sociology, uh, and so I that um, yes, I would love critical reasoning to be first and foremost rather than indoctrination. But merely just having different ideas you were being confronted mm-hmm. with, I'd be happy with. Well, this yeah. and this brings me to, to where I want to go next is that you. You mentioned he and the idea of being uncomfortable, and that's what we want in universities. You want to be able to. I, I used to love to be like I was a loser. I like to argue, like to like hear different perspectives. I would go to speeches of people I didn't agree with just to hear their perspective. Good for but you. But we know people they don't do that anymore. And is, being pro-Israel has always been, lately has been very uncomfortable for students on campus. You just don't talk about it, kind of thing. And that's what I wanted to get to is that like it's not just about money, and it's not just Jewish money. There was this letter. The Mitt Romney and several other Harvard alumni who were not Jewish wrote to the campus, basically saying it's it's not just about what they're learning; it's about the safety. Because mm. and this is a bit Schadenfreude. What someone said Schadenfreude earlier about the universities, and they've created this word, the safe space world, and trigger warnings for everything. And so maybe they they saw this; they deserve this, but the universities, but the uh, the students don't. And because what's happening at schools like Harvard. Kids are locking themselves. Jewish students have been locking themselves in dorm rooms or in student unions during these protests when they're knocking on their doors, harassing them. 
when they've asked for uh, help, they've been sent like a website for mental health resources. <laughs> you know, they've been, there's been events where they've said Jewish students are told to avoid the area. That's been mm-hmm. their, their, their help basically. So I guess my, you know, it's so that they're basically these, these alumni are saying this is unacceptable. Harvard's got to come out stronger. Harvard's got to, you know, have their back of the Jewish students the same way they would any other racial group or discriminated against. So where I guess the what where where maybe going forward like where could, should colleges' roles be? Because obviously we want to have a, an idea where people can can uh, uh, you know pro Palestine, pro Israel, pro whatever get out in public and have a rally. But where is the line? I guess on a campus about like the, well, the th- safety th- th- line. Th- thank you guess. for thank you for asking. I'm I'm glad that we can clarify this. I I would like to facilitate cognitive dissonance and contrary viewpoints within the student body. That's where I want the discomfort to arise from by by people being forced to question their priors and investigate why they believe things and be open to changes of opinion. That's what I want to facilitate. So the idea, like, just turning the literal heat up to 90 degrees to make students sweat is not my goal. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's dep- my goal, but that's, that's why I like Depriving them of fiber. Uh, and so, so in a situation like that, um, I, you know, I, I think it kind of reflects the, the free speech stuff that's been going on on campuses. I don't know why I'm picking on Stanford today, but, but recently Stanford Law uh, invited an appellate judge out, which is a big deal, uh, and then proceeded to just shout the guy down. The dean showed up, sat there, allowed chaos and bedlam to occur, uh, and then gave, came up and gave a speech basically saying, why did we even invite this guy? Uh, is, the, is the juice worth a squeeze? And, and kind of made a case against free speech. So like, like the, the way to handle that kind of stuff, which is not that hard, is you don't have to go to these things if you don't want to, but you have mm-hmm. to allow other people to go to them. If, if right. there's a speaker that wants to come here, some asshole like Milo, what's his name, is going to come to the camp. I, might, I would go listen to him. I don't like the guy, but I'd be curious as his point of view, and I shouldn't be deprived of that. And when you shut down free speech, you're shutting down the ability for me to say something and you're harming somebody else's ability to hear it, right? I would, I would put it very similarly. So like uh, at our favorite university, the University of Miami, as Turner has <laughs> rightly pointed out, there were, there were pro-Israel and pro-Palestine uh, uh, assemblies. I, I think that's very healthy. And and those are, you know, like on, on my end, I have, I have many Jewish friends. I only know one or two Palestinian people. So my, my epistemological model is very stilted. Uh, mm-hmm. I, most of the knowledge I have comes from people that are very, very, very pro-Israel, right? Thanks. I would like to know more people that are pro-Palestine because I'm sure that there Spread are things that are going campus. on in Palestine. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, the, the main thing is I just, Everybody should have the, the right to to uh, assemble and, and air opinions and debate where they're physically safe and they're not being accosted. So, yeah, like like if if, if like Jews are getting run into rooms and they're barricading the door, that is not the kind of right. uncomfort and, that I'm well, looking for. Well, and I think that's college what campus. colleges need to encourage, figure out a way. I don't know how they're going to do this. Maybe it probably starts younger because, I mean, frankly, I'll share something personal, but we had a, a vigil for Israel um, in my neighborhood last week and my daughter – uh, said a girl who wasn't at the visual, who's a, a, co- a student within her class, she's nine years old, came up to her and was like, oh, we can't be friends anymore. And okay. just walked away. Like, th- yeah. so th- th- the indoctrination starts early on this, uh, on some issues like Israel. Wait, she, you, she, she, like her family basically has cut off ties because your daughter. I mean, went not, to, they're not good uh, friends, but yeah, her, a, she basically told her, oh, I'll never be allowed to be friends with you now. or Something like that. Uh, because the so daughter I, I somehow I has wanna, an opinion on Palestine. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to pick on a nine year old, but that's just, yeah, I do. I'm just, <laughs> it, it, at any level, that's like, like I, I would go to a Palestinian vigil, like, like you're, 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 yeah. you're memorializing the dead, right? That's always appropriate. Like it's, yeah, no, right, but it's, it's never inappropriate to memorialize the society now where you can't. Some people on some issues just can't hear the other side even like it's, this yeah. is not the only issue climate. There's a few others where like 
So if, if you have someone on campus who's going to, you know, a pro, give a pro Israel perspective at a speech or something, they're going to get shouted down. Like they're not going to, there's no, this type of speech. I just want to say, I don't know if climate's an issue. Isn't it? The, the world is getting hotter. Not to totally change the topic, but. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I meant it's like, it is. The world's getting hotter, but I meant there's like a, a, a what's the word? Maximalism approach. I know what you there's mean. Like, you can't, have, mean. A, you can't just... have a, a, a compromise or something. Uh, let me get back to the topic with. There was something from Mitt Romney's letter that caught my eye that I wanted your opinion on. Right. You can start with this, Turner, is the University of Miami alum, I don't know if they would be interested in this down there. But they, they are proposing, they say, in order to become a model for campus-free speech, the university should immediately develop and require that all students participate in a semester-long course that teaches productive discourse, critical thinking, and the interrogation of facts so students learn to debate through reasoned inquiry. Do we think this is a good idea, and do we think... There's any way in hell this wouldn't be a total shit show. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a good idea, but I don't know a specific course is needed. I thought that's just what a given. That's just a given what college is, is that you're critical thinking. But they go into the, the wrong groups, is, I think, right? Yeah. I think it's this idea that, you know, we need, um, you say we need, we need critical thinking, but then who decides what critical thinking is? Basically. So who decides right now is professors, which I think has always been the case. And it's kind of always been the case that professors are left leaning just inherently based off who becomes a professor. Andrew knows more about that than I do. But um, usually it's kind of how that works out. And I I just want to get back to this idea of uh, the free speech thing. So free speech is obviously great. We do want free speech. I think what's happening right now, when you see... Jewish students locking themselves in cafeterias. So, and then people beating on the doors. I think this happened at a college yesterday or a couple of days ago in New York mm-hmm. city, New York, yeah. Cooper the, Union. the Palestinian, the, the pro Palestinian rally people have sticks and they're knocking on the doors to try to get into the Jewish students so they can get to them. Um, I think what's happening. If you guys remember, there was that Stanford experiment in the seventies mm-hmm. or whatever, where, and then I had a teacher who a couple of years before me in elementary schools tried this in our class, which based off the Stanford experiment, the teacher came in to a bunch of fifth graders and said, all right, guys, there's just been a new study. Everybody with blue eyes is smarter than everyone with brown eyes. So what we're going to do, I got to leave. I have a meeting, but the blue eyed kids, you're in charge and um, I'll be back in a couple hours. He literally did this. He was like the best teacher That's of all amazing. time. Mr. McClurk, <laughs> shout out. And, uh, he said, I'll be back in a couple hours. And he just left for a couple hours. And I don't know if he put cameras in the room or what happened, but he somehow knew what was going on. And what happened? He, did, was he just went to Hooters. This was all an excuse to leave the campus for a couple <laughs> yeah, yeah, hours, yeah. have a beer, it was come back, play his brilliant Mr. Hollins opus. Immediately, the brown kids, brown eyed kids brown-eyed were kids. the dummies and they were they were the, the blue eyed kids were in charge. And it was chaos immediately, immediately turned into chaos. And I think what's happening on campuses now is people, professors are telling these pro-Palestine students that you're right and the Jewish kids are wrong. And so it's not it's free speech mixed with empowerment. You're empowering right. one side that you're smarter and you're more correct than the other side. And more moral. And, yeah. And I and a giant caveat is all of my information right now is coming off of social media. So this could be a very small thing that's only happening at a couple campuses that's being blown up. I, I haven't seen actual studies on all of this, but um, that's where I think it, it, it that's kind of what I think. And then my question, though, would be because there's also something you keep reading where people are the chant is from the river to the sea, from the river to the sea, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. 
And that sounds very innocuous. And then I Googled what that meant. And it basically yeah. means, as far as I could tell, that we want to wipe out the state of Israel. We want yes, all, all Israeli people to be gone. Um, and Israeli is not only Jewish. There are Arab Israelis, as Cap informed me along the way at some point. But it seems like most of the people in Israel are Jewish. Uh, not all. Well, so it's a million Arabs, way. But yeah, they could stay. Sure. Sorry. Isra- there's Arab Israelis. Uh, but there's yeah. there's. Does that mean they can stay? I, I I read that the what it means is just Israel's gone as a place. Yeah, and all they can stay. They Palestine. mean the Jews would leave. The Jews would leave. Yes, <laughs> that, mm. to clarify. What Why don't they just go back to the Hamas charter? Is that, is that what they would say? Sorry, you cut out. What was that? Is that what they would say, Kaplan? The people who the the people on college campuses right now are saying from the here's what here's what I would say. Judging, I think to get into their minds, a lot of them don't think of themselves as anti semites, and they don't think that's what they mean. They're just chanting it because it's catchy, because it's what they hear their friends say. They don't know a lot about the issue. And they just we think like, like the Jews can leave and go to Europe or something or come here to America. Like it's like we just like all these countries are going to welcome him in or something. They don't think of it like they'd be killed. I think a lot of them. Now, the Hamas charter means they would be killed, but that's. Yeah. Right. And so is that taken so, yeah. from the Hamas charter that from the river? It's from the, the Hamas charter. It's from the charter. Yeah. It's, it's like their founding document, like our constitution. Yeah. Uh, okay, so if you're it, yeah. chanting something, and this is a question for everybody, if you're chanting something on campus from a terrorist organization's charter, mm-hmm. is that free speech or is that now a hate speech? I genuinely don't know the answer, so I'll pose that to everybody. <laughs> what do you, no, it's. I mean, I if, think if this, this is, was an ISIS, if this was taken from ISIS's charter and you were right, chanting that yeah. walking around, yeah, how would it? And, and I guess yeah. the lesson here is that ISIS really needed more of a PR push. Right, because we, we could yes. have some they, people they, chanting they, ISIS quotes, but uh, but here we are. Didn't work. I, I yeah. think I think free speech and hate speech occupy two different spheres. So free speech, we can be talking about the culture of free speech, and we can be talking about legal free speech law. Hate speech, we're really just talking about the culture of hate speech. Like, there's not a lot of law about hate speech because mm-hmm. most most speech is protected. So, like. Um, you, you can say that some free speech is hateful, which might be the way to put it, but it would still be it would still be free speech and still be protected. Like uh, the, the the leader of Iran, uh, uh, Ahmadinejad, came and spoke at NYU about 15 years ago now. And like, I thought that was good. I, I would have wanted to hear what he had to say. I didn't believe him. Like he literally at one point said there were no gays in, in Iran. But like, you know, like he's, he's going to go mean, up and spout that that dumb <laughs> shit. I still want to hear his perspective on it. I'd like to know from the horse's mouth. Right. I think, I mean, there is, in universities, if we're looking specifically there, the universities, I think, have something written in their code of whatever rules that students should be in a safe environment. And if we are in a world where Jewish students are fearing for their physical safety and they're locking themselves in libraries and dorm rooms, then I think that whatever the university has, like, promised legally to to take care for these people, they're not doing it. On the other hand, I think until this moment, and I think this is what a lot of um, people outside of universities um, have criticized universities for, this is the indoctrination, the push of I don't feel physically safe has gotten maybe overused. And so now- That's what I was saying earlier, the shot in front of this. Yeah, exactly. The shot in front of this. And you know, two, three years ago, a student might say, oh, I don't feel safe. I feel triggered because in my classroom, you used an example of sexual assault to illustrate a particular uh, point about Mm. something else. And you shouldn't have mentioned that because I experienced it and now it's harmed me in some way. And so I think, again, we're I don't see it, Heaton, as two separate spheres. I do see them as two separate things, but I think that line is very blurry. And for some reason, I think- 
you know, chanting from the river to the sea feels towards hate speech to me because it seems to invoke extermination, genocide, Nazi, all that stuff. But I could see it happening. I could see it being okay. But I think the minute you're physically in danger and don't feel safe walking through campus, I think that we've crossed a line. But I don't know how to how to police that line at all. Yeah, and and I'll just say that I've seen videos like this. I'm sure you've seen them as well of these people going around and they tear that people put up the posters of the Israeli yeah. hostages, and then these people tear them down. And like NYU, that the NYU law student who who's yeah. lost her big law firm job because <laughs> she wrote a she wrote a pro Hamas statement. Uh, right. She's one of the people tearing them down. And right. People, I, I don't know if it makes like I've heard someone say, like, I don't feel safer in response to that. And I, I don't as a Jewish person, I don't know how that would make you unsafe. It's just the person's an asshole and I'm fine with doxing them over it. But, right. but, you know, so I do think it's tough to it is tough because colleges have enabled this for so long. This kind of like you could say like your example about sexual assault is a great one. Like you can just say anything can trigger you. Right. Real or legitimate. So I don't know how you walk this back at this point. There was well, a the, funny, the, this wasn't my line, but I read it online where they said uh, speech is literal. Like the, the idea of some of the college campuses now is speech is literal violence has been the statement for a very long time. Yes. But when the, the Hamas went into Israel and committed literal violence, now that's just expressing an opinion. You know, oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. God. And in the believe all women thing is like ended when the Israeli women said they were raped by Hamas. They're like, well, what you I need. Yeah, I need proof. Where's your proof? You know, yeah, your video <laughs> so, evidence. Well, yeah. yeah, you were raped, but you weren't beheaded. I mean, that's a lie. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. They're that too. Fine. Exactly. You're fine. So it's it's, um, it's a crazy with 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 <laughs> these with these uh, protests that are going on as an outsider here. I do take all of them with a very big grain of salt. So I, I went to a protest when I was at the University of Oklahoma. I might have mentioned it on the show before. Apologies if I have. It was protesting uh, the genocide in Darfur, which I am against. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And I, and I this is back when I'm I think a Democrat in college, and I'm marching with everybody in this this Darfur thing, and I'm I'm genuinely trying to figure out what we're doing. Yes. So I'm talking to people, going, "Who are we trying to influence? Are we try- like is the goal here to get the American government to intervene?" Are we trying to like, are, are we hoping their government will see the University of Oklahoma? And no one really had an idea of what the point was. And it, it finally struck me of like, oh, everybody just kind of wanted to get up and march about something and feel self-righteous. That was my take on it, was that if if that whole thing went away, we would have found another thing to get self-righteous about. So I am very suspicious of passion in people. I don't trust feelings, and I really don't trust it in college students, because I think it's very heady to, to, to march with your fist in the air and walk up that hill and like, I, I don't know. I, I just, anybody doing that and chanting stuff and was like, yes, yes, yes. We're all going to get laid in the parking lot later. Good for you. Heaton, I'll take yeah, it a step further and say that I don't understand the point of protests full stop. And I've read research about the point of protests. And I think when they're like really, really big and they're like towards government officials, like maybe something happens, you know, January 6th, was a protest until it wasn't. And then we're still talking about it. So that was something. Well, like Mar- but, Martin Luther King seemed to be efficacious. Yeah. With his, but, so there's but, some, yes. but generally I feel the same way. I walk around and people are shouting all this stuff. And you're like, who, who I, I, maybe I'm just lazy, but I just don't see. I, I don't, I, don't I think it's it. liturgical. I think that it, it is a religious event. People it's, are doing yeah. for all the same reasons you go to church. You, you get to sing songs and be a part of a group and, and yeah. have mm-hmm. a, yeah. A moral lesson impugned to you and and feel as though – it's just – it's church service. And that's yeah. fine, but th- that's why it's I don't cr- give people credit for it because I'm like, right. well, okay, all my religious friends like going to church too, but I'm not – Right. congratulations on being Baptist. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool club in a, on a college campus, on, on a liberal college campus. Like, the, you know, the Palestine Club, there was that video I might have sent you guys where like someone went in to actually debate the girl working the booth. 
and she just didn't even know anything. Like, you know, it's right. just like, I'm just doing this because my friends do yeah. it. You know, kind of and on a high it's school like, campus, I remember we protested something at high school. I can't even remember what it was, but it's literally, we did, you always do a walkout. It's a way to get out of class. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. Who like, here has walked out of class before? Of course. Anybody? I haven't. No. It, it was so in, in my, protest. In my junior high? It could have been Darfur. What do I know? I don't even remember. I don't even, you know, I barely know what Darfur is, but I remember, I'm sure I walked out of class for it. In my junior uh, Kep, high, Kepler. they go for, oh, sorry, I was just going to say that they, they had the go for came up and they, we were all going to walk out to protest because we wanted to be like Vietnam boomers or something. Yes. <laughs> and then they just I, maybe made it an was Gulf War. Yeah, yeah, they made an announcement on the speaker because they school and they're like, anybody who walks out of school will be suspended and it will go on your permanent record. And no, not one person walked uh, out. Our generation, yeah. we, we were actually <laughs> we, scared of consequences. We don't want to do it if it has consequences. <laughs> we just want the upshot, not the price. Yeah. Right. Uh, Kap- Kaplan, I've got a question for you. Um, yeah. uh, being being the, the resident Jewish member of our panel and, and somebody Zionist. that has family, family in Israel and, and all these things, um, I, I'm curious for, for your interpretation of Israel in the media and Israel in politics in the United States. I ask this when, when I was a student and in college campuses. When I was at the University of Oklahoma, I hung out at Hillel all the time. Uh, APAC invited me to go on a trip to Israel. Wow. I turned them down because I felt that I would be beholden to a particular viewpoint and that would be unethical of me. But I was still hanging out at Hillel all the time. Uh, <laughs> no. and, uh, Exhausting. And then, and then from, 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 and from, from my perspective, I, I, I view the American government as very, very pro-Israel for a very, very long time uh, because both parties have factions in them that are very pro-Israel and we, we fund it. But that's where I'm at. I'm curious as to what you think in terms of media, politics, academia, if, if, uh, if I'm missing the mark or if you've had a very different lived experience to me. I mean, this could be a whole other podcast, so I'll, but I'll yeah. be brief. Uh, <laughs> we'll do this another time. But yeah, no, I've the government of America. America has always been we've always been Israel. Jews have been grateful that America as a government has always been the most supportive of Israel. Um, the media, not so much. It's been a long like there's nothing like a, a Jewish family get together. If you have not, you know, some people, I don't know, the Gentiles talk about the weather, whatever, the football team. Jews always get together on a barbecue and we talk about CNN's coverage of something with, with Israel. It's like the ridiculous CNN coverage bias. You know, my whole life I've heard about the New York times and CNN and uh, BBC, the usual suspects that they have been always been very anti-Israel. So when the hospital story broke, I thought they were all they pro got that wrong. I did too. No, this is vote. shocking to me. Yeah, no, it's always, that's, did that's get the one of the, thing wrong. That's, right. that's what we had a po- lost in America podcast last week uh, 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 with a, a, our guest, Daniel Pomerantz works for an organization. That's like always looking to correct the media essentially because they're, they've always, but the media, the media seems left, very pro Israel right now, right? They, they've very. been very good. The, I, my, my impression has been other than the hospital debacle where they got that wrong that, you know, Israel bombed the hospital. They didn't bomb. Um, other than that, I do think they've done a good job. And I think my theory is, and not that I'm a professional on how TV works, but I think that the, the Hamas did a huge PR miscalculation mm-hmm. here. And the, 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 uh, this, the raping and the murdering of all these people at a music festival and killing old families and old people, you know, we don't have to repeat everything, but it was so heinous that like regular people who don't know a lot about this issue around the country are just are siding with Israel and CNN and that they realize they need like soccer moms to be watching TV yeah. at nightly news. They're, they were not going to take him up, you know? So, so I, I think, yeah, the I lesson think they've here done a good is, job. Is just kill people. Don't, don't mess around with the raping and the beheading and the burning. Like if you're going to, I just mean, kinda... usually my opinion is what they do is they have a terrorist attack. It's horrible, but it's not, you know, and then Israel responds and the response is what gets all the news. That's how we view it. And right. then people, you know, we, they're always, Israel has more better weapons. They don't, you know, how much we don't need to go right. through it, but they don't have a defense system. They use human shields, all these reasons. They're going to have more civilian deaths usually. So we usually right. bear the br- bad PR for that, but. Right, right. Um, Which is can happening. I ask a case, final question to Kaplan? Yeah. 
Um, sure. Cause you just use the word and I've been hearing it so much recently and I, I, it's usually in a negative sense. So what does Zionist mean when you say I'm a Zionist? Cause I was, oh, I was yeah, one I was, of those college campus things. They're like, get the Zionists off our campus. You know, what does Zionist mean? Well, so Zionism is a very, not, originally it just meant you believed in, in a Jewish state. It was formed before Israel was even in a concept. Theodor Herzl back in like, I think 1895, it was just the idea Zionism was like the world Zionist Congress. It was just to have a Jewish state, a Jew. Um, and then it became Israel. Then it, yeah, then it became coded over time as Israel became controversial to being pro-Israel, you say you're a Zionist. But I also just like to use it a little bit tongue in cheek because people who are who say things that are anti-Semitic will sometimes say, oh, I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm just anti-Zionist. So uh, like, I like, but to, do they take, think I like to take the Zionist. Do they use Zionist almost as the opposite of from the river to the sea? They they mean it. You want to wipe out all Palestinians? Is that no, so what? they think thus that way? Uh, so there are look, there's there are extreme Zionists who who want they believe in a thing called greater Israel, where they believe this is mostly religious Jews who are Zionists who believe like Israel, the West, the West Bank was part of the biblical Israel, you know? I mean, so was part of Jordan, for God's sakes. But yeah, so they there is a there is a certain sense of that in like the far right of Israel for sure. But your average Zionist is like originally was like a secular left wing socialist kibbutz living person. Mm. You know, this was back in the oranges of Israel in the old days. Now they're considered settler. They use the term settler and Zionist to make it like to dehumanize the situation for when there's a terrorist attack. But yeah. I feel like so to reveal how little I know about this, I just got a dog a few months ago and he's really big and I wanted to name him Zion because of Zion Williamson. And my dad (laughs) was like, you probably don't want to do that. And I'm so glad every day that I didn't name my dog Zion and I didn't know what it meant. I just thought it was this dude's this Andrea, basketball player's name. Well, how, how is Adolf fan doing? Is Adolf You really buried the lead here. You're a fan of Zion Williams. Exactly. My, my boyfriend is uh, a Duke guy. And uh, oh, so God. I'm like, New I, like have heard about Zion Williamson's wingspan for more than. But yeah, Adolf RJ, and Cole Pot are doing wonderfully. Thank did you. Did he name well, RJ Bob Marley? Bob Marley always sings all the songs about Zion, Holy Mount Zion. Yeah, because Zion but, is from the body. It just means right. like Jerusalem. In the, and that's yeah, where it comes yeah, from, yeah. the land of Zion. But yeah, it's yeah. now. I propose term. an additional roundtable where Cap just explains all this shit to us because none of us know what's going yeah. on. I propose <laughs> like, a Zion I'm, Williamson I need episode. to know this stuff. Yeah. I well, think we can, should do can, a two-part I... episode. The first part, we do the we do Zionism. And then the second part, Zion Williamson. There you okay. <laughs> that, that sounds great. Can, can, can I, can I uh, either offer a, a question to the group or if listeners want to uh, post to the comments, yes. I'd, I'd be apt for this. Uh, because most of the people in my life that are involved in this uh, issue are Jewish and not Palestinian, I know maybe three Palestinians, but I know, you know, 40 Jewish people. Um, I, I feel like my I'm getting very one-sided news. Mm. Is there a source that anybody would recommend that you think yes. takes a sympathetic position to Palestine and is a um, rational, uh, mm. trustable source that I could inform myself on. Like the other day I heard, like, and I don't know if this is true. I, I heard that people in Gaza don't have passports, that they've been deprived of passports. Mm. They can't even leave if they want to. Well, that's fucked up, right? Like that's a yeah, thing that's, where I'm like, okay, that's, well, that's, that's a bad thing if that's true, but, but that's, I don't know how to, huh? But that becomes a complicated question. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, Hamas is not let people leave. So, <laughs> and Egypt, right. won't, there's nowhere to go. Cause Egypt won't take them. But yeah, that is, I don't know. Like NPR, would you say like, what's like a good, like, I don't, I recommend, like uh, and you know him, Heaton, from his show, Dino Bidala from the Dino Bidala mm. show on Sirius okay, XM, yeah. is yeah. a Palestinian-American, and he's he's left-leaning politically, um, and a lot of the time his show is about sort of like the lightest, ridiculous thing that Trump did, 
but mm. he's been I've been very grateful to be following him and his posts and they're they're very thoughtful and I think very clear-headed reporting on what's actually going on um be aware that there is a political left lean to it all but um but he's 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 the person that I'm most following and I really have respected and appreciated his posts. And it's very, you know, that's, here's what's no, happening really on the helpful. ground. He has a lot of interviews with Palestinian um, and Middle East foreign policy experts who, who I really have appreciated. So even people he has on his show are worth following as well. Okay, and I would say it's, the one thing I would say for both sides is you just be careful about what you're following. Cause it's like, like there'll be at least Palestinian things I'll see that go up and it's like some horrible bombing situation. And it's actually a video from Syria a few years ago. Right. And nobody cared about the Syrians then, but now they care right. about it when it's Palestinians. And then and Dean is, I, the I other mean, he's, day, a journalist. I, I sh- he's, he's a good journalist. I should yeah. say. Yeah. And I'll just say full disclosure. I shared something the other day about like somebody harassing nannies in the Upper East Side. If their kids were Jewish and it was like some, a bunch of moms played a game of telephone and freaked out over some fake news. And I thought it was true. So it's very yeah. easy to fall for stuff right now. So everybody, that's my disclaimer for all everything yeah. you're following. Yeah. But, but on that yeah. note, I think, um, should we wrap this up? Let's wrap it. Yeah. It's been, this has been a great conversation. Thank you all. I, uh, I've learned, I was going to send my kids to Arizona state. I thought that was a fun school, but I, <laughs> I, I, I know they've been protesting a little bit of pro Hamas. So I think I'm sending them to the university of Miami. That's my, that's my uh, announcement to end the show. Everybody. So um, early decision. I'm using Turner as a reference. And uh, I think we'll be raising a fundraiser to, to be donors and members of the boards of trustee, board of trustees at university of Miami. I think that's where all the Patreon funds are going to go from now on. uh, If I got that right. Also, I just want to say it's a private school in Florida. So there are, there is news coming out about, Oh, in Florida, uh, the governor, DeSantis, is making all these mm. rules. You can't say this. You can't do this. None of them affect the University of Miami. Just a boom. Private go. schools. What is your not... mascot? The Hurricanes. Uh, the Hurricanes. We have an Ibis. Go Hurricanes. Here we a, go. Yes. Sebastian the That's Ibis. triggering. So it's not... That's a triggering title, Hurricane, but yeah. <laughs> Listen, you got to break uh, a few eggs to make an omelet. Uh, follow us. We are lost in America, everybody. Follow. Uh, that is, we put those shows out weekly. Follow the political orphanage. Listen to the political orphanage with uh, Professor, An- no, Dr. Andrew Heaton. No, Professor Andrew Heaton. Ambassador. Dr. Ambassador Heaton. Ambassador, Amba- Ambassador, Ambassador Heaton. Ambassador Ambassador Heaton. Heaton. Who, Ambassador the fake who would not Heaton. be bought by APAC? He won't be, he wouldn't accept their money. So you should die. from the that. Royal Scots <laughs> Club. And uh, Dr. Andrea Jones Roy at the Majoring in Everything podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think we'll solve the conflict next time. Yep. Tune in next time. Get lost. Yeah. Bye-bye. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.